Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 298. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Thank you to Sunset Lake CBD for sponsoring this week's episode. Use promo code CHAT for 20% off your entire order at sunsetlakecbd.com. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned small business that shifts craft CBD products directly from their farm outside of Burlington, Vermont to your door. Sunset Lake CBD has something for everyone. They offer tinctures, edibles, salves, and coffee designed to help with sleep, stress, and sore muscles. Sunset Lake CBD customers support regenerative agriculture that preserves the health of the land and creates meaningful employment in the community. Farm workers are paid a living wage and employees own the majority of the company. Remember, use promo code CHAT to get 20% off your entire order at sunsetlakecbd.com. Hey everyone, it's me, Laura Reagan. Just wanted to make sure that you know about what I've got going on this summer. I don't think I've really talked about it much here, which is silly, but in case you didn't hear, I did start a second podcast called Trauma Chat which is really for anyone who wants to understand what trauma is and how it shows up in our lives. As you've heard me say, if you've listened to this show, I've mentioned a million times that people tend to think that trauma is something that happens to someone else, something horrific and unthinkable, unspeakable. And that is true. Trauma is that. But it's also experiences that are very commonly shared among many of us, most of us. On Trauma Chat, I break down what trauma is in hopefully understandable language that's not stigmatizing. I know I couldn't have possibly captured every thought there is about trauma and every aspect of trauma and how it shows up, but I hope that trauma chat will be helpful to people who really don't understand what trauma is and maybe wondering, do I have trauma, you know, or wanting to better understand what someone they care about is going through. And most importantly, how to get help if you have experienced trauma, what to look for, how to describe your experiences or how to find the words that that name what you've been through so that you can then connect with whatever type of resource support, whether it's therapy or a podcast that you'd like to listen to, to learn more about it or an article, another website. This is my hope in creating Trauma Chat. And the second part of that is the new Trauma Therapist Network community that I'm creating. It's unbelievable to say this because I've been laboring behind the scenes to bring this to you for a long time. Starting in around 2018 is when I first had the idea and then the process of getting from there to here has been slow and with many twists and turns. But I'm creating a community for people who have experienced trauma to find help, for trauma therapists 
to find other trauma therapists to network with and refer to and gather and collaborate and share ideas and hopefully come together in person in in gatherings that I don't know if they'll be able to happen in 2021, but maybe by 2022, we can have in-person gatherings of trauma therapists to provide support to one another and combat the isolation of trauma work. Even if you work in a large agency or group practice, trauma work is so isolating. It's just part of the nature of it. And connecting with other people who get it is so valuable. The participants in my trauma therapist consult groups share how useful they find them to be because we're in our offices doing our work and then we go home and it can be really hard to receive the same kind of support that you give to your clients. So I hope that Trauma Therapist Network will be a useful resource for you, whether you are someone who's trying to find more information about trauma or if you are a trauma therapist yourself. To learn more, please go to traumatherapistnetwork.com. The website is not live yet as of June 28th when I'm recording this, but it will be live by August 1st if all goes well. And hopefully there may be even a soft launch before that, a beta version. So please go to traumatherapistnetwork.com where you can find a free download and sign up to be notified as soon as it officially goes live. Whether you are a therapist or just someone who wants to learn more about trauma, there's a download there for you, (laughs) different ones for each group. And I hope that this resource that I've really created from the heart will bring healing to more people. I really want people who have experienced trauma to be able to find the right kind of support. And that's why I created the Trauma Therapist Network. I hope you will join me there. Like I said, you can get more information by going to www.traumatherapistnetwork.com where you can sign up to be notified as soon as the official website goes live, which will be in August of 2021. If you're hearing this after August 2021, go there and hopefully you will find the site and you'll see everything that it has to offer. I cannot wait. This is such a labor of love, something that I've really poured my heart into and I'm just so excited for you to see it. Thank you so much for your support. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. Today, I'm so happy to be speaking again with a guest who has been on Therapy Chat before, talking about grief and brain spotting, Thad Fry. Thad Fry, LCSW, owns a counseling practice in Boulder, Colorado. He's practiced in the counseling field for over 18 years, and he's certified in brain spotting. He's also a brain spotting consultant and certification mentor, a beginner and advanced level brain spotting training assistant, and a proud board member of the Rocky Mountain Brain Spotting Institute, an organization founded by lead U.S. brain spotting trainer, Dr. Pi Fry. Thad has utilized the subcortical healing modality of brain spotting to support professional and collegiate athletes, weekend warriors, artists, and musicians to further their creativity and improve their performance. And that's what we were talking about on this week's episode. I thought it was a really interesting conversation. We were considering some of the ways that trauma can interfere with performance and how that has shown up recently in some high profile athletes sharing their own experiences. So that talked about how he uses brain spotting with athletes and others for performance. And I thought it was a fascinating conversation. I hope you'll enjoy it as well. Before we get into our episode, I wanted to say thank you to the two newest members of the Trauma Therapist Network family, Julia Flora Natch, who's in Towson, Maryland, and who has a strong background in child abuse and is accepting new clients there in Towson. Also, My friend Carlotta Rasmus, who is in Pasadena, Maryland, is one of our new members. Carlotta owns Turning Stone Counseling in Pasadena, and they do so much wonderful work there. So thank you both for joining the Trauma Therapist Network. And for any of you who are listening, if you work with trauma survivors and you have competency in that area, please consider joining the network We will be having monthly calls as a community, as a way to 
support one another and ourselves during this very challenging time to be a therapist, especially a therapist who specializes in trauma. And I'd love for you to join us for our first community call, which will be happening in October. Date TBD, but if you're a member of Trauma Therapist Network, look out for an email giving you the information about that. All right, let's dive right into my conversation with Thad Fry. And also just want to remind you real quick that I would love for you to use the SpeakPipe button on the website to send a message for me to play on episode 300, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. If you can't figure out how to send the message, feel free to send me an email at laura at traumatherapistnetwork.com and I will help you troubleshoot that. Thanks so much for listening to Therapy Chat and I'll be talking to you soon. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm so excited to be speaking again with a previous guest, Thad Fry. Thad, thanks so much for coming back to Therapy Chat today. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Yeah, I'm so happy. And we've been sort of trying to make this happen basically all summer. Summer's not quite over yet, so (laughs) it's happening, but (laughs) I'm excited to talk with you. You're such a knowledgeable person about brain spotting and a brain spotting consultant. And you're even on the board of the Rocky mountain brain spotting Institute. So I'm interested to learn more about the way you use brain spotting with sports performance. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for having me and thanks for being able to let me talk about kind of a secondary love. We, last time we talked a lot about grief and loss uh, and I've worked in hospice for 18 years. I think I told you last time I've been in private practice now for about six, seven. So I, I definitely work a lot with trauma, loss, anxiety, but I've been doing a lot, I would say over the last six six months to a year, I've been doing a lot more performance work and really kind of falling in love with it. And it's a nice balance between that. I'm also a brain spotting consultant. So being able to teach people who want to become certified in brain spotting kind of one-on-one. So it's a really nice mix. So yeah, I'm here in uh, Boulder, Colorado. I'm in, like I said, a private practice, part of the board of the Rocky Mountain Brain Spotting Institute, which raises money for folks who can't afford brain spotting therapy. So uh, we also have a wonderful directory of local and national brain spotting therapists. I I think you're part of that as well. So yes, yes, very good. So yeah, I just wanted to be able to talk to you about something that I would start with the overall general idea that uh, with COVID going on and with a lot of uh, high athletes that are higher up in their sport um, are talking more about mental health, which is awesome. I Mm -hmm. love it. So, you know, we had Simone Biles here uh, lately and we had uh, Naomi Osaka both talk about, hey, I need to take a break or I need to work with my mental health. And I love that. I think I just read an article uh, where Tom Brady came out and spoke about kind of backing them up and saying what a great thing that they were doing. So again, just having more people out there talking about the importance of mental health in athletes, because I think we tend to hold athletes up as superhuman. And although they have certain strengths that are, they're humans. And so they have nervous systems, they have limbic brains, they have traumas just like the rest of us. And so, and I should say again about the COVID piece, I've noticed in working with uh, some folks that we all took a break there from one another. Uh, And so you had a lot of collegiate players who weren't in their sport. So they got out of their performance. So there was a lot of anxiety about, am I any good anymore? And that, that time in our lives is about being in community, being with our peers, and a lot of them were in isolation. So I just wanted to speak to that general tone of mental health and uh, sports, uh, just to say how great it is that there's a little bigger spotlight there right now. Definitely. And, you know, I was thinking also about Michael Phelps, who's uh, talked in the past about how after the Olympics, he was suicidal. And, yes. you know, after all those achievements and everyone was like, I don't get it. Yep. And, and when you talk about Simone Biles in particular, I'm thinking about the sexual abuse as well. So it's kind of interesting that both Michael Phelps and not that I don't know exactly what his trauma history is, but he has indicated that he had a tough childhood and, you know, Simone Biles, we know she has that trauma history. I don't know what all other her personal life and experiences are, but 
you know, it's even though athletes may have, you could say abnormal gifts and, you know, the people who are competing at that high level in the Olympics and, you know, professional athletes, but they're humans who go through the same range of experiences as all humans. And I I love this too, because to me, there's a lot of kind of objectification in professional sports where we sort of treat people as if they're like these performing machines. And then as soon as they don't perform anymore, kind of toss them aside, you know, like, oh, well, washed up has been, you know, and that really bothers me too. I know that's not exactly what we're talking about, but, you know, just sort of humanizing athletics. I, I love what you said. And, and uh, I knew I'm working with somebody that works with the uh, folks in the NHL. And then after they retire, they also have that for the NFL. I'm sure they do for the other, uh, other national leagues as well. But I love it that there is more uh, resources. There are more therapists that are working with people to help them make that transition. Because like you said, I, I don't know what that's like to be in front of, you know, thousands of eyes or millions of eyes. And then all all of a sudden kind of be like, oh, you know, kind of discarded often, unless you're one of the top, you know, 2% of that group. So for sure, I love that, again, like you said, not, not objectifying people in that way. So yeah. Yeah. And the other part I'm curious about, and I'll ask you as we go through this conversation is about like the CTE, you know, Uh, and and they talk about it in football, but I mean, yep. we know that concussions are common in all contact sports. For sure. For sure. Happens. I, I think it's much like anything else. I think the, you know, the movie that came out, obviously called concussion brought it to the brought it to the the larger masses, but these things have been happening forever and we didn't know how to deal with them. And now we're dealing with them in, in different ways. So for sure, I think concussions are a big part of this. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I know when, you know, as you know, I've only done level one so far of brain spotting, I'm doing level two in October, Awesome. but one of the things we learned in level one is about how David Grand and what helped him identify the brain spotting method was his work on performance with a young high level athlete, right? You got it. Yep. So, uh, how he, how he kind of came upon brain spotting was he, was an EMDR therapist and trainer as well. Uh, he wrote a book and he slowed down the process. And he was working with a skater that he'd worked with for, I believe, over a year, done 90 minute sessions, done really good work doing EMDR with her. But he said that he was going across her field of vision, going back and forth, like often EMDR therapists will do. And he said he's noticed her eyes twitch really quickly. So he felt like something kind of grabbed his arm and just made him stay in that position. So a fixed eye position, which is what we use in brain spotting. And he said for about a half hour, she just started coming out with all this trauma, all this uh, things between her parents that she'd never talked about, even though he'd worked with her for these 90 minute sessions. And she had struggled with this triple loop and she would practice. And I mean, my gosh, to be a skater at that level, you're practicing all the time. And then you're up there for what, three to five minutes to do your routine. And she would just struggle, struggle, struggle. And so went through this whole thing of about 30 minutes of, of just processing all this information, called him up the next day, oh my gosh, I was able to do the triple loop and never had an issue. So that's why I love it. Brain spotting was, was almost, was founded in doing sports performance work in a way, right? So it helped with the performance, but it also helped with the person. So that, that's what we're looking at when we're looking at sports performance, working with the whole person. Yeah. And, you know, before, when we were talking, before we started recording, yeah. I, you made me aware that there's, there's a connection. And of course there is it totally yeah. makes sense that, yeah. you know, our experiences, it's not just about sports and the performance, you know, but what affects our performance relates to our whole story as a human. You got it. You got it. And, and that brings me to kind of what brings people often in to talk to somebody like myself would be, there's a, a common term called the yips which is a sudden and unexplained loss of ability. So you have, uh, there's many examples, but like a pitcher all of a sudden who's, you know, if they're in college or in the pros, they've been pitching, you know, thousands, you know, millions of times probably. And all of a sudden a simple pitch, that movement forward, they, they start throwing it into the ground or they throw it over people. And, you know, at first it can be embarrassing, obviously. Yeah. It can be like, what the heck's wrong with me? 
And oftentimes people, both coaches and themselves at that level, they will just try harder. They'll white knuckle it. They'll say, surely maybe I need to change the grip uh, of the ball, right? I need to do something different. So that's very cognitive. And, and sometimes those things can change. I don't want to take that away either. But the way that we work with people, like we've talked about with brain spotting, and you had a guest on the other day uh, talking about bottom-up processing. So we're doing bottom-up processing. So we're working with the body and the limbic brain to say what is there that, that we need to work with that might help you get back to your performance like you were before. So as I often tell people, we didn't start that, that performance issue is not where you know, they didn't just come out of nowhere. And, and so that's not really, that's not usually the triggering event. Yes, we might see it and go, what the heck's going on with that person? But there is a litany of things that we work with. And so I'll dive in and tell you, like, sure. we, yeah. Uh, so when we work with athletes, we, of course, are going to find out more of their family background and just some basic assessment like we would do with anybody. But we really are looking for injury history, illnesses, trauma history, uh, and then I'll tell you about some of the other ones, but I have them write that out. And some people are willing to jump in there and say, sure, I'll tell you all about it. And then I have plenty of uh, athletes that go, yeah, nothing really happened to me. I'm, I'm good, you know, it, because often they were taught that's what you do. You rub some dirt in it, the coach, the parent, the whomever says, you know, shake it off, it'll be okay, just, you know, keep on going. And that's not true of what our nervous system takes in. And so I want, you know, when I eventually say, hey, what, what, you know, tell me a little bit more. Let's, let's come on. There must've been something you've been playing for 10 years and they'll go, oh, you know, I got a concussion twice or I, I, I blew out my knee or I, you know, I got cut from a team when I was in fifth grade and I thought it was the end of my world or I got really embarrassed by a coach or, you know, they start coming out with these things that again build up what is going on for them in the present tense so then we take those things and i always work with uh, you know as, as good social workers we start where the client is right and and so i say what do you want to work on today what what is here that you want to address and i work with them and they'll say I don't know uh, when I got hit in the nose with the baseball, you know, when I was, Ooh, I wouldn't want to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that sounds yeah, terrible. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and so, so then we'll have them go back and we're not trying to re-traumatize them. So they don't have to go into great length, obviously about it. We're just touching on it. Sometimes I'll have them be, if they want to be quiet, but some want to talk about it because in athletics, a lot of times they're not allowed to talk about yeah. it. Like you said before they were, they were just supposed to be quiet, just keep on going and disassociate, right? Get away from your feelings in your body, your emotions. And so, although again, not wanting to re-traumatize, if they want to talk more during this process, I tend to have that happen more often than maybe somebody that I'm working with, with other traumas in their lives. So, that makes sense yeah. because they haven't had a space to express about it. So yeah. just yeah. giving that, you know, holding that space is very therapeutic yeah. in itself. Yep. Yep. And I might've said this last time, but I, I tend to tell people just to normalize it. About a third of people I work with are going to chat it up the whole time, even while we're looking at the pointer and they're noticing what's going on in their body. That's how I am. The, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Well, I, I'm on the other extreme. So we have that. And then we have the people in the middle that, that will feel will be really attuned and, and well, and, and not that the other people aren't, but they'll be really attuned. And then they'll, they'll tell me when they notice a somatic change. Oh my gosh, that feeling in my stomach is now in my chest or my, my arms are tingly or whatnot. And then they kind of go back to being quiet. And then we have the people that are just quiet the whole time. And I always tell them, Hey, I'm, I'm okay with silence and I'm okay with you being silent, but I will check in from time to time. Very, you know, not very often, but just what are you noticing in your body? And when I do my own work, that's me. I'm usually over on that side. And so with this, I tell them that too, so that they can do whatever feels right for them. So again, we use what we call in our work inside window or outside window. It's always from the client's perspective. Inside window is them having them really notice 
that feeling. So when you got hit with the baseball in your nose, where are you noticing that feeling in your body? Obviously, some people might feel that in their nose, but other people might actually go like, oh, I have anxiety in my stomach right mm -hmm. now, right? And that's where we find that fixed eye position and we help them, we would go across their field of vision. And if they can tell us when to stop and they know I'm feeling it more right there, we just have them process. So again, be quiet or talk and notice that feeling and then have that work through their nervous system. Or if they're usually at the beginning and maybe they're not as body aware, then I'll go across their field of vision and look for reflexes, right? So that's, that's that outside window. So that's, we work with a lot of that. And I love it because we can do so much work. Sometimes people will have like a litany of things that they, and all of a sudden they say, it's like a movie screen. I, I went through like 10 different examples of being really embarrassed where I lost the game or you know that I got injured and I I was scared that I was going to get re-injured and they would just roll through it. And it's wonderful when that can happen. And sometimes it goes slowly too. And we have to keep on going back to a triggering event like that. So it's so cool. I just have to say the way brain spotting works is so amazing. I've definitely seen what you said where, you know, let's say the person says, I know this isn't about performance anxiety, what I'm saying, but when the person's like, I want to work on this anger, I feel about something. And then you know, they think about that and then we're doing it and then they just start. It's like, I think of it like a Rolodex. It's like yes. flip, 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 yep. all these experiences, yep. but, but it's not, I haven't seen anyone get flooded, you know, yeah. or feel overwhelmed, which is amazing. That's exactly yes. what I love about it. Yes. And, and I love that too. Right. Because that's what we, that's the last thing we want to do is flood them and then make yes. them go. I'm never going back to that person again. Exactly. That was way too much for my nervous system. Right. And, and if you decided, like you said, you're going to do some more trainings, there's uh, some interventions that are, are wonderful to actually even bring it down. If, if you run into those circumstances. So I yeah, use I'm that with doing that all the trainings. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Very wonderful. So I, I don't know if I talked about muscle guarding yet. So that's mm -hmm. one of those terms. Okay. So I, uh, muscle guarding is where the muscles uh, basically get in a halfway tensed up uh, situation. So they, they're like not fully uh, firing, but they're, they're ready to go. And so the more, uh, you know, adaptive way that that looks would be at the beginning of a, a road race and you have a bunch of people getting ready to go on a run. And so right before the, they, you know, they, they shoot off the gun to say, Hey, here we go. Everybody's kind of bracing They're They're ready to go. And then they, they go. Right. And so it has a lot of positives, like when you're getting ready, that's very functional. But if you're muscle guarding all the time, because you've had some traumatic event, whether again, it's been an embarrassment, you've been yelled at, you've been humiliated, you've injured yourself. So you're guarding that area that happens all the time. Even if you, if you uh, injure your ankle and then all of a sudden, you know, it heals, but your body is saying, oh, I don't want to re-injure that. So you kind of baby it a little bit. You, so you'll hold that without even knowing it often you're holding that. And so the, the bad part about that is if you do that for long periods of time, then your muscles get tired, obviously, and you have a much better chance of re-injuring yourself because they're always firing in that they, they never relax. And mm -hmm. so they stay in that. So, so that's another reason that we do this is to let that part of their body go, oh, I don't need to be ready to do something again. I don't need to be ready uh, to guard against this happening again. So, so think, I think of muscle guarding be that body, the body piece of it often, not always, but also like we're talking the limbic brain, that fight, flight, or freeze where people are you know, either hypo or hyper, hyper aroused. I think of muscle guarding as hyper aroused. They're always ready. Oh gosh. So in the limbic brain, we're saying, oh, what if this happens again? What if I re-injure myself? What if I get embarrassed again? What if whatever, you know, and so they're always in that state. So is our body. So we're trying to work with these past events that are on, that are, you know, subcortical brain is holding on to, and we're trying to allow it to know that, yes, that happened but it's not happening now. And that's what we're working with to get somebody back to their you know, performance levels that they were at before. Hey, everybody. 
I wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about my experience with Sunset Lake CBD. I first tried CBD when my integrative doctor recommended it for chronic neck pain and tension that tends to wake me up at night. I really like Sunset Lake CBD's products. The full-spectrum CBD tincture is mild-tasting compared to others I've tried, and I find it works quickly. It doesn't feel sedating, but it does have a pleasant calming effect. And I also like the CBD gummies. They taste good, and they work well. So if you're looking for a craft CBD product that comes directly from a farm outside Burlington, Vermont, that's a producer for Ben & Jerry's ice cream, you're going to want to check out Sunset Lake CBD. And remember, Therapy Chat listeners get 20% off using the promo code CHAT. So go to sunsetlakecbd.com and use the promo code CHAT. That's so interesting. I'm curious, you know, and I think you've sort of, you've talked about it a little, but how, so you gave the example of the yips before. Yep. Yep. So how does working with How does learning about their history of emotional trauma, physical injury, illness, how does that unfreeze the, or what is it doing that makes it make the problem of the yips, which comes on seemingly without warning for an unknown reason? Right, right. How does it make that change? Right. So with, with, uh, you know, SEs, somatic experiencing with brain spotting, EMDR, we are working with that limbic part of the brain where regulation happens. So that's why there's wonderful parts about cognitive behavioral therapy and other therapies that we would say would be a top-down model, right? We're doing a lot of psychoeducation, the way that you're thinking, let's look at changing that. But that's not what we're doing. We're working with the regulating part of the brain. And so with fixed eye position and with noticing of the body, that allows us access to that part of the, the limbic part of the brain that is that fight, flight, or freeze. So we're, we're accessing it. Often memories allow us to access, oh gosh, I'm, I rem- yeah, if, you, I, if I talk about that time that you know I was supposed to catch the ball as the end of the game and I missed it, and I can, I can smell what the grass smells like around me, I can hear the people you know, booing me behind me, all, all that stuff. I, I can feel it in my body. So we work with them on that. And then again, fixed eye position where body awareness to let them bring that into the moment. And again, let it strip away through their limbic system. Oftentimes people will have movement. Uh, You'll see people like their hand might start to shake or they might say, I'm getting a tingling sensation. And so we're basically unfreezing that from the nervous Mm. system. And so you'll see that uh, obviously in brain spotting, just working with somebody through other traumas or other life events. It doesn't always have to be traumas, but it's re-regulating the brain so that we can go, oh, I don't, the amygdala doesn't have to go. I have to be always ready in that fight, flight, or freeze response. Okay. So it's kind of as if the trauma response gets activated somehow and gets, stands in the way of what, you know, used to be like a clear channel for the person. You got it. It's, I think about it again in that hypervigilance. So if I'm always you know, if I'm stepping up uh, on the mound, I'm now all of a sudden, I knew it could happen. I could throw it into the ground in front of all these people. So then all of a sudden that part of that, my amygdala goes, yep, you could, right? It's trying to protect us. It's, you know, people will call it the, the uh, guard dog sometimes. Like it's, it's trying to do well by us. But in this way, it's going, oh gosh, this is going to happen again. This is going to happen again. You know, do something else like that, that flight, right? I need, I'm just going to leave, right? Get away from it. And again, that's where our body goes in into that muscle guarding and goes into, you know, contraction, which is the exact opposite of being in a flow state, which is what, you know, all these athletes are going for is to be like, oh, relaxed. And, you know, time can feel different in a flow state and they can feel like, you know, I'm connected to everything where this is being super hyper aware of, oh no, something bad is going to happen again. So you're really not here where you're not really on that mound. You're back when the bad throw happened and you were humiliated. You got it. You got it. It complete, you know, that's why uh, a lot of it is talked about in, in disassociation, right? We're not present in that time. So we're trying to, again, allow ourselves to know that, yes, it happened, whatever bad event happened, we're not taking that memory away, but we're not, we're working with it 
through the body, through the limbic brain to allow it to know it's not happening anymore. So I can be present. And yes, things can happen. I, I could still lose the game. This isn't going to make me other than what I already am, but it isn't going to be where all of a sudden the ball feels like it's 10 times bigger in my in my hand or people will talk about like uh, all of a sudden, you know, like they, they look at the uh, catcher and his his mitt is tiny, like people have perceptual changes mm. like they they feel like I feel very slow in my body. So they'll have these disassociating pieces that happen all the time. We're just trying to get them back to where they were previously and, and then they work on from there. So, I mean, I, I haven't talked as much about the injury piece, but, you know, like skiers, downhill skiers, if they if they've wiped out or even if they've watched uh, this is true of any sport if they've seen somebody else wipe out we feel that right so this mm-hmm. is where we're even watching if you're about to go and you just watched a, a buddy of yours wipe out really bad you're taking that into your nervous system and so oftentimes people will say well then they're sitting back on their skis they're skiing scared and so by doing now we can work with them to say okay yes these things can happen injuries happen but we're going to work with your nervous system to tell it it doesn't need to be in that defensive posture basically that's so interesting So when, I don't know if this really applies, but when people, what happens when people have been athletes and then something like this happens and they lose, you know, they can't do it anymore. I wonder if, even if they're not going to return, let's say they have a career ending injury and they're not going to be returning to playing. Can this type of brain spotting help them just with their general like sense of identity and well-being? Totally. And a great question because, you know, so much of athletics at at that peak performance level happens usually in the first third of our lives. Right. And so it's a great question. So one of the things that I saw pretty early on, which I loved, there's a 30 for 30, which is an ESPN kind of docu-series. And there's one on Mackie Sasser. And although I'm not, uh, I don't, baseball is definitely not my sport as much. I believe he was a pitcher for the, or sorry, catcher for the Mets, I believe, and really well-known, well-liked, came in, was strong in the league. And then all of a sudden uh, he would do a thing where he'd have to like, I think hit the ball against his mitt like three times before he would throw it back to the pitcher. And so people would steal bases. They would, you know, they, people would start making fun of him. And obviously that would make it worse and worse. And it got so bad that he would have anxiety attacks before he'd uh, start games and he, you know, just make it a living hell. So, and he, I think he saw over 50 professionals uh, throughout his career and, and, you know, they, they, uh, if I remember right from the book uh, that nobody really asked him about his past trauma history and he had a lot of past trauma history. History. And, and nobody had looked at that. They just looked at, you know, how do we change the way you think about this, whatnot. So I, I say that to say, it, it, I forgot what it's called, but it's 30 for 30, Mackie Sasser and, and uh, David Grand worked with him in that. Um, so you get to see a little bit of brain spotting mm-hmm. in there. And, and he, he is a coach, I believe, at like a, a local uh, team in Alabama, a college. Uh, and he had like three sessions with David and it, it can throw again in the way that he used to be able to throw. So, so that's a continuation of a sport, but talk about being able to be relieved of not having to feel those things uh, at that level. And then, like you said, yeah, if somebody's retired from the sport, then just being able to do any of that, that bottom up processing to be able to know that if I'm, you know, just playing with my kiddo, that I don't have to worry about those things happening anymore. Plus we're going to process getting embarrassed at at those levels. Right. And, and so what was it like to have to leave the sport that you loved, that you invested countless hours and efforts and you gave up on, gave up other parts of your life. Gave up so much. Yes. Yes. And so there's, you know, what we talked about grief last time, there is grief in those transitions, right. Uh, To say, I'm going to dedicate 90% of who I am to this sport. And, and, and then all of a sudden the sport goes away or people think I'm a head case or that it's, I'm not putting in the effort to write. 
but they don't understand this is all subconscious or a lot of it is subconscious. It's not as though they're not working hard. Oftentimes you'll hear about these guys uh, and women that will be the ones that will be the first ones in the gym. They'll be trying even harder and it doesn't work. And so then of course people get embarrassed or they get feelings of shame. And so you can work with somebody after their career around shame for sure. So, so I love, I've worked with uh, athletes afterwards as well, which is definitely wonderful work. Yeah. That's so interesting. You, you know, what you're just talking about made me think about Michael Jordan and I don't know much about him, but I know there was a documentary like maybe last year and it seemed from what I took away, I didn't watch the documentary, but it seemed like people were kind of talking about that. It was kind of joyless. He was the best of the best of the best, but he wasn't loving it and he wasn't close with his teammates and he wasn't, you know, you would think that you would have this great, happy life if you're the best like this. And, you know, I I just wonder not that it's about him in particular, but like if someone's doing their work, they're trying so hard, they obviously care about something so much and they have such a gift. Yes. Like, I wonder if it could be, a happier process through the use of this type of work. Yeah, there might be. I mean, I, I obviously wouldn't want to speak to, for somebody at that level of, <laughs> of their career, uh, but but obviously I have watched it and, and, and the word uh, competitive came up in a thousand different ways. So I think that is of him uh, in, in, in so many different ways, but you're right. I, just going back to that idea of the love of the game. Sure. There's going to be all the work. I don't think either of us are trying to discount that at all, no, but, but, when, but when you're in the game and doing it, you would hope that there is a love and that, that again, we get to be in the zone from time to time. And you get to have that joy of, you know, being the six-year-old kid that was dreaming of becoming that NBA star. And then you get to be there. I can, again, only imagine what that looks like, but you hope that they have bits and pieces of that along the path. And, and, and this is one way to at least clear out some of those, again, embarrassments, humiliations, traumas, and, and really allow them to get back to a more regulated place. This has been so interesting and really, you know, sort of opening my eyes to some aspects of, I mean, not being an athlete myself, it's not, you know, something I can strongly relate to, but then I can think about how just, you know, for my children with sports yeah. and small, seemingly small moments, like a coach wow. really disappoints them or, you know, a situation happens that's just really unfair and they can't get past it. And, you know, and not to say that they shouldn't be upset, but how it can really shift something that can be such a fun. I mean, it's supposed to be sports are about playing a game, (laughs) moving your body. It's supposed to be fun. Yes. I've had several uh, clients who have talked about that. Like, you know, like I can actually have fun again. I had one uh, client who said they they sang about it. They just made up a song mm. because they had a practice where they weren't embarrassed, where they were doing what they knew they could do. Right? It's it's that it's that all of a sudden it comes out of nowhere. It feels like, and and all of a sudden I can't do my basic skill set. That that the reason why I'm in college or in the pros, and then then all of a sudden it's gone. And then to be able to move that through to enable them just to go back to what they already put the work into. We're we're I'm. Not not telling them how to throw the baseball or how to, you know, uh, any of that stuff. I'm just helping them work through those past, you know, injuries, traumas, those things, so they can get back to what they love to do. I just thought of one more athlete who I've heard, Abby Wambach, recently talking about, like, I it didn't have fun when I was playing soccer. It was mainly uh, about, like, wanting my mom to be proud of me. Ah. something. And it's like, my goodness, you are at this level, the best soccer player ever, one of the best, and you're not enjoying it. And what, you know, I think about that a lot. I think about retired athletes a lot who are really young in their forties or thirties or something in there. And it's like, well, you know, my life's kind of the rest is, you know, I don't know. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say it's over. It's not like no, that, but it's true. like who they, who they have been, who they, how they saw themselves and how the world sees them. And then, you know, it's all just not available anymore. 
Totally. I mean, I, I think we probably do a lot of this work. Uh, you know, it's usually called life transitions. So a lot of people going into second careers, people empty nesting, people uh, retiring, those can be really big things for them to go. What's my identity? Who am I? What did I give up in this process? Looking back on those things. So athletes are no different. It might be happening earlier in their life cycle, right? They might be retiring at age 25 or age 32 or, you know, so, so there might be more time ahead of them, but it's, but they also have, I don't know if burden's the right word, but they have the burden that if they're a well-known athlete, then that they're just that, that people are going to look at them and either say, oh my gosh, I loved you. You're great. Or they might say, well, yeah, that's right. What, what are you doing now? And, and, and so again, that's why we could work with them afterwards to do this work around life transition. Who am I? What is my meaning making? There, there's plenty of places in, to do that and to have wonderful lives afterwards, obviously. Yeah, we we do course. that all the time, but but it does look different, obviously, if somebody's um, higher up in their, their sport or, you know, I've worked with uh, musicians as well or writers uh, in doing performance work and, and much the same. So, I mean, you have people that that are, you know, I, as I talk to people, I work with, you know, weekend warriors and people that maybe want to write that great American novel, but haven't yet. And I've also worked with people that are pretty high up in their profession and to be able to help them move through those blocks to get to where they want to be is, is pretty inspiring. So, yeah. Wow. So like writer's block or yep. like yep. trouble with creative you know, accessing your creativity as not some kind of a performing artist or a fine artist. You got it. So, I mean, you can look different. There's different, again, you can look back and, and go through trauma histories or embarrassments within their field as well. So there's definitely that. But let's say if you work with an actor or a musician. So if a musician uh, is writing a song and has a basic narrative, but can't quite get to the other point, or, or if you're working with an actor and he's taking on the role of whomever, then you have them kind of show you what they're working on. And then you say, okay, where do you feel that? When you feel the, that, that the, the narrative, the narrative uh, piece in that song, who's singing about this subject, where do you feel that in your body? Now, can we, can we bring that forward? So it's called expansion work in, in, in brain spotting. So I want you to feel like you are that character. So let's have you, you know, as much as you can, and maybe that's a one out of 10. And sometimes that's an affinity. Like I can, oh, I can feel that. And we find a fixed eye position that you even feel that more. And then you can have them sing that song while they're doing it and, mm. and really feel connected. Or if they're an actor, you have them, you know, usually it's what we call a gaze spot looking in the room. And so they'll look at that spot and they, they say, I feel that character in my chest. And so you have them do that again and go through it while they're looking at that fixed eye position, noticing that feeling of connection in their chest. And, and nine times out of 10, there is a shift in the way that they're experiencing that. And, and it's pretty amazing to be on the other side, to be the person listening to a person engaged at that level. So that's really cool. Yeah. 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 It's, it's fun stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Thad, so if someone who's listening wants to work with you, first of all, can you offer brain spotting outside of your state? So I could do, and I'm very clear about this, if I were to do uh, consultation work, it's just that. So if somebody has anything uh, to do with their mental health uh, issues, I always say you need to have somebody to work with that. But if we're just working on them writing a play, or if we're just working on somebody having the yips, I I, I can work with somebody outside of the state. But there's a lot of uh, athletes and musicians and everybody in Colorado as well. So yes. (laughs) plenty of people for you to support there. But so if, if someone's listening and they want to work with you, 
where can they find you and what, what could they do with you? That'd be great. So Thad Fry Counseling, just my name, T-H-A-D-F-R-Y-E. So Thad Fry Counseling and all my information is there. And uh, probably easiest is to email me. And then we can just set up a time to chat and see if I'd be a good fit. If not, there are people in the sports world. I'll, I'll just put out a couple because there's some really good ones uh, that are doing brain spotting in sports. Uh, really well known is Paige Roberts in Seattle. There's a gentleman named Matt, Matt Moline who works with a lot of golfers down in south of denver and then mary jane o'rourke is wonderful she's up in portland so there's many many more but uh, there's a lot of people that have interest in this uh and have done really good work that i get to learn from as well so i definitely wanted to put that out there awesome and i guess you offer brain spotting consultation too for people who want to brain spotters who want to learn that you got it thank you very much so so i'm a consultant uh and i work with people just as you said who want to be certified in brain spotting so normally they'll uh, meet with a consultant after doing many hours and whatnot but they'll meet with us for about six times and kind of go over what they've learned i love it i love one-on-one teaching so it's a thank you for bringing that up i definitely enjoy it awesome well thank you again for coming back to therapy chat today i love talking with you about this I love talking with you too. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you to Sunset Lake CBD for sponsoring this week's episode. Use promo code chat for 20% off your entire order at sunsetlakecbd.com. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer owned small business that shifts craft CBD products directly from their farm outside of Burlington, Vermont to your door. Sunset Lake CBD has something for everyone. They offer tinctures, edibles, salves, and coffee designed to help with sleep, stress, and sore muscles. Sunset Lake CBD customers support regenerative agriculture that preserves the health of the land and creates meaningful employment in the community. Farm workers are paid a living wage and employees own the majority of the company. Remember, use promo code CHAT to get 20% off your entire order at sunsetlakecbd.com. And for more information and resources on trauma and healing from trauma, go to www.traumatherapistnetwork.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a community for therapists and a place for anyone to go to learn more about trauma and find resources and connect with help www.traumatherapistnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.